Thank you, Pastor. It is a blessing to be here, but there's no way I can preach without water. Not when it's 110 outside, but it's nice in here, amen? Super blessed. All of you who came from the old church know exactly how blessed we are, and we can't say it enough. Pastor never has to apologize for commenting on that. Um, this, this past couple of weeks, uh, a thought had, had hit me um, during the COVID time. Uh, a year, well, it's, I guess it's still COVID time, but for us, it only lasted about six weeks. So during that six weeks of COVID that we really had some issues, um, I had this thought kind of hit me, and then Pastor Aaron was preaching, and I went, oh, I got to speak on that. That's something that God had said in my heart. So I want to talk to you tonight about when the bread goes stale, when the bread goes stale. Go to Exodus chapter 16 and verse 4. And we're going to have, uh, there's a whole story here in Exodus that I am not going to read. Somebody say amen to that. Brother Tom said, make this one quick tonight, so I will help right there, brother. We won't, we won't read the whole chapter. Uh, Exodus 16, we're going to take a couple of verses out of here. And if you want to go back and reread the story, uh, you can. to fill in some of the gaps. But verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people will go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. I don't know if I like that part where the Lord tests, but he said it, and he does it still today. Exodus 16.31, the house of Israel called its name manna, and it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. John 6.30-35. And I would leave a spot there in John 6. We're going to go back there at the end of the service. John 6, verse 30. And therefore they said to him, this is the multitudes, not the Pharisees. These were the people that were being taught, those following Jesus. But many of them said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. And God, I ask you to move that, that the word that's spoken would be words of life from you. Not just something that I thought up or studied, but Lord, a word from you. And God, when your spirit moves, when your word is spoken, Lord, it can change a life. And, and, and the power in your word, God, is something that none of us can control, none of us can manufacture, we can't handle. But God, in you, Lord, there is a fullness of your word, a fullness of your spirit, God, that wants to move tonight. So I ask you, Lord preach this word. Open hearts, touch hearts tonight, God, that are here to serve you, to learn of you, God, and we love you, Jesus, and we are going to put you in your rightful place in this church. You are king on high, Lord of lords. We love you, Jesus, and the church said, amen. Amen. And the bread went stale. During that time of COVID, I was in a restaurant. There was only a couple that were open, a couple of diners that stayed open, so we tried to support them. And, uh, they have this thing on their tables. They've got like some little saltine crackers in these little bags. I'm a sucker for crackers. I mean, I'm a sucker for food. I Thank you for noticing. But I really like those little saltine crackers. And so 
I, I cracked a bunch of, of packages open, and every one of them were stale. I said, you got to be kidding me. Do they ever change these out? And so I'm going through, all, and I just, I just remember being so frustrated because if you've ever eaten something stale, it's not good. Uh, I mean, it's dry. It, it, there's no crispness. There's no flavor. I, I was so frustrated trying to eat this. I, I, was, I was like, man, and, and I thought it had occurred to me back then. And when Pastor Aaron was preaching, I was taking notes, and I went, man, the Word of God goes stale. And it's not that the Word of God is stale, but it's us that goes stale. And we receive that bread. We receive that Word in a way we shouldn't. The story in Exodus 16 recaps the Lord giving manna. It's a provision to the Israelite people. Now, if you go back and reread the whole thing, you're going to find out that Israel had been disobedient to taking the promised land. And so now they're going to wander 40 years. And God's going to provide for them. He's going to provide manna. It's that bread I read to you about, that coriander seed. They'd make it into wafers. Man, honey crackers sound pretty good to me. He made them into the, they made them into these wafers, and they would bake it and boil it. But they're eating the same thing for 40 straight years. And if you remember, they will complain about this over time, and they will get frustrated. They get tired of eating it. And we're going to get to that verse in a minute. And I begin to think of myself about how certain foods get old. Anybody here I eat leftovers? I remember years ago, Brother Austin said, I don't eat leftovers. We eat dinner and we throw the rest away. I can eat leftovers the next day. Depending on the food, if it's steak, it could probably go the, the day after. But if we get to a third day straight, I, my poor wife, she'll make plenty of food, and I'm like, I can't eat any more of that. I'm bad sometimes on the night she makes it if it's not something I like. Come on, brothers. It's not, probably not the best attitude. You young married guys, you going to get married? Don't complain about the food that your wife makes. I'm just give you that for free. But I get tired of it. And I was thinking about meat. You know, the, the children of Israel wanted meat. Man, I love meat. Now, if we had our resident health expert who doesn't eat meat here, I'd have him, you know, correct me on this. But Because God gave them a plant-based diet. If you want to, man, they'd go out and pick it, you know. I don't know that I could go 40 years without meat. Come on, I don't think I could. I got to go have some kind of meat. But as I begin to look at the manna, you know, something about the Lord, he never gives you something that's incomplete. If the Lord's going to provide for them, and he provides for them this manna, it's a complete nutritious meal. They did not lack in a way that caused them to desire meat to live. I guarantee you they did not just desire flavor, and I'm going to prove that in a minute. They did not just say, we're lacking this meat. We're getting weak in our body. You know, we're, we're out wandering. We're picking tents, and we're, re, we, we're putting them back up again, and we're, we're moving, and, we're, and we need meat to be strong. They did not lack that. There's a whole different thing that happened to them. This story in Deuteronomy 31 and Hebrews 13.5 God's going to make a promise. He says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with the such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with what I've given you. I'm here. God's not leaving them or forsaking them. God commanded the people to collect manna every morning. Every day they were to go out and collect, and they were to provide enough for their household for the day. I began to think about the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day. 
I mean, there's such a picture of this that we can see in the prayer and what Jesus said and, and what, what the children of Israel did. It's very clear. This is a daily bread. This is something that God's going to provide every day. And the faithfulness, I'm going to test you, he said, in your faithfulness here, you're going to go out and collect just enough for your family for the day. And there was one exception. On the sixth day of the week, God said you're going to collect for two days. Now, if they collected any other day in the week, if they tried to collect extra, that food would go bad. The manna would go stale. The manna would spoil. Except that sixth day. Because when God commands something, it doesn't matter how crazy it seems or is, it's going to come to pass. It's going to work. It's going to be right. God said on the sixth day, you collect for two days. And you're going to honor me on that seventh day. That's a day of rest. As long as they did this, things were going to be right. Things are going to be right. Somehow, those pieces of manna, those cakes and breads, was everything the people needed nutritionally. Every bit. They lacked nothing. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Sometimes the bread goes stale. The church doesn't want to receive the word of God. I'm going to tell you something about the Word of God. It is everything you need spiritually. Words that Jesus has, the the, the Spirit that He wants to fill you with, it is 100% everything you need spiritually to be healthy and live for God. There's nothing lacking in the Lord. Nothing lacking in Jesus. You're missing nothing. You don't need to add anything to Him or take anything from Him. Jesus is everything you need. There's nothing lacking. And yet, his word grows stale. The the life that he calls us to, it it goes stale. There's a a lack in this day of honoring God, of wanting to live for Jesus, even in the church. We expect culture to rebel against God. We expect culture to rebel against moral authority and morality. But the church, and the church is following suit with the culture. The children of Israel lost their taste for the manna. Stale is described, it's defined like this. It's no longer fresh or pleasant to eat. It's hard or dry. Hard or dry. Qualities of stale bread. Dryness, increased hardness, loss of taste, and loss of freshness. We're going to cover those four things and we will be done. Numbers 11, verse 5 and 6. Children of Israel said this, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. The very first quality of stale bread is going to be found in this verse. We ate freely in Egypt the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our whole being is dried up and all we have is this manna. We've got nothing except this manna. They got dry. They dried up. They did not. They said, our soul is dried up. We have nothing. And they began to look to their past, and they saw it distorted. We ate the fish freely? The last time I checked, they were slaves. The last time I checked, they were in bondage for years and years and years. And now they look back, not because they miss meat. No, they just don't want to eat something. No, they have a distorted view of their bondage, sinful past. 
Because when the bread goes stale, you're going to look back and you're going to see something that wasn't there. You're going to remember a time that was good and it wasn't. You're going to look at a time when your life was void of Christ, absent of the Lord, and you're going to say, that was good when the bread goes stale. There's something about the man that is complete. It's everything they need to live. And Jesus is everything we need. And when it gets stale, we remove him. We take him down. We move him out of our life. And we look back and we see some things that weren't what they are. We look back and we say, man, that fish was free. I remember the spices, the garlic, the onions. They they said, oh, man, it was so good. That food was so good. It was so much better than where God's brought us now. It is so much better than where God has taken me here. We're wandering the desert. We don't have the promise. God has brought us out here to die. Those were some of the things that they had said. They went dry. They saw their past in a new light. Slavery was freedom. Egypt were saviors, not killers. They were providers, not takers. They were righteous, not sinful. I'm looking at our culture right now, and we're looking at our history, and we're seeing it completely different. They're looking back and they're saying that the founding fathers were all racist. They're saying that this country is founded on principles of evil. They're saying that the Christians in this country currently and for all time are bigots, misogynists, hateful, judgmental. We have a culture right now that based on their own sin and their own view of faith, they have a distorted view of Christ, a distorted view of America. It's a distorted view because of their own sinfulness, their own dryness, their own clouded mind, their own darkness in mind. They cannot see the truth. And as the church, we cannot partake in the stale bread that they have. We have something fresh. We have something new every morning. We have a manna from heaven that's available every day. Jesus is available to partake of every single day. And I'm going to challenge you men, husbands, fathers, young men that you want to be fathers, you've got to go out in the morning and get enough for your family. You better go out and bring enough manna into your home that's enough to provide for your children, your wife, enough for every single day. Because if you bring Christ into your home like that, spiritually, you're going to have a healthy family, a family that's right, a family serving God a family walking in purpose, a family that's not feasting on stale bread and old sin and bad habits and a life that is separated from the truth and the love of God. We can't settle for the world's stale bread. Be careful if you look to your past and you see a time that was void of Christ, a time that did not have Jesus and all you can think about is how good that time was. I have memories when I was a kid. I got memories of some times that that weren't bad. We did some fun things. There were some good people in my life. But I didn't have the Lord until I was about 17. I didn't know Jesus. So when I look back, I oftentimes I'll remember something good that happened. I remember my uncle would take me to ball games. I'd go down to San Jose and, and he'd take me to the ball game. He'd take me to my first hockey game. That was a good time. I liked that. But I didn't know Jesus. And when I look back at that time, I'm like, man, I'm thankful I had a few people that didn't make my, my life terrible. It was bearable in the sense of the world 
but it was lost and dark, and I wouldn't trade this time now for anything. I don't want to be a kid that doesn't know Jesus. I don't want to go back to a time I didn't know the Lord. I don't want to go back to any moment in my life where he wasn't the head and the center. I'll start to thinking about something back there, and I'll catch myself going, oh, man, that was so awesome, and I'll say, what? That was not a good time. That was a time I got through, and I'm going forward. I'm going forward. Anytime void of Christ is not good. Second quality of staleness is hardness. I hate hard bread. Sister Sarah bakes some really amazing bread. And, you know, when you get bread fresh out of the oven, it is like the perfect time. Like, it just, as soon as it's done, just that last portion where it's got to rest, and you, oh, man, it's good. A little crusty on the outside, soft on the inside, warm. A little butter on there, that's delicious. When bread gets hard, though, it's no good. I hate hard bread. You'll get some of that sourdough bread, I'll leave it out on the counter, and if I don't wrap it up and I forget, one day later, and they call it day-old bread for a reason. They used to send the day-old bread to the pigs. One day later, that bread's so hard. It's stale in a day, some of the bread that you, that you have. You can't do anything with it. Increased hardness. Ephesians 4.17. Go to 4.17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you do not walk as the other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. King James might say blindness. The hardness of their heart. Now, if you look in the Greek, this word is calloused. It can also be blind. The vanity, the futility of mind. I was looking at this and I was thinking, you know, a lot of times we talk about Walking worthy of the Lord, we want to walk uprightly, walk right, we do. When Paul says, do not walk as the other Gentiles walk, I've heard some people say, you can't go to work, you shouldn't work in the systems of this world in any way, you shouldn't you know, buy clothing of this world, you should make your own things. You guys ever heard of the Amish? They kind of live off the grid, they do all the... There's benefits to living off the grid. I'm not saying that it would not be awesome to have your own power and all that stuff, but they really... Don't live a great life. They're not like Jesus-only people. They got a lot of weird stuff going on. My point, though, this word for emptiness of mind, it's a lack of purpose. It's a lack of identity. Do not walk as the other Gentiles walk just about this life. You've got an identity. You've got a purpose. Your mind is to be on the things of the Lord when you go to work, when you work in the systems of this world. You're not of them. You're not doing the things that just the world does, just providing for your future, just building up a, a physical, material life. But your life is different. It's separate. In your mind, your understanding, you know your identity. You're a child of the living God. It's separate. Don't walk like the Gentiles walk. Don't live this life as if you're not part of God's kingdom and you're part of this world. Don't live that way. You are a sojourner. You're here for a time. You're here for a purpose of God. You don't walk like they walk. 
Verse 18, their understanding is darkened. It's ignorance. They don't understand because they're living and they're walking without purpose in Christ. There is a deception of the enemy. Scripture says to know your adversary. He wants to get you walking outside of purpose. He wants to get every one of you thinking, your purpose is your job. Your purpose is to just make money. Your purpose is to have a career. You're supposed to have a degree. You're supposed to, and I'm not saying it's bad to have some of these things, but if that's your purpose, you're out of order and you're walking in ignorance and in darkness. If your purpose in life is to just be successful in this world, if you lay down some, some places for your kids, some uh, achievements they need to make, and all those achievements are worldly based, you're setting them up for this failure. Oh, my kid's doing so good. You know, he, he's done this. He's got this degree. He's got that, that degree. He's got this ability. He's doing his, but they don't know the Lord. They're walking in darkness. Get on your knees and pray every day for them. Pray for their soul, their salvation. They are walking outside of the Lord. And it's so easy for us, as the bread gets stale, that our heart gets hardened. You see, because what happens, the ignorance that's in them, the the not understanding their purpose, not understanding why they're created, not knowing God, leads them to hardness of heart. And if we get that same thing going, it's like stale bread. I come in to try to hear the Word of God, and and, and the preacher's too hard. Everything's too hard. I, I don't want to receive it. He's preaching at me. He's preaching to me. I don't understand. This life's too hard to live. There's too much righteousness. It's all these things I have to do. It's all works-based. It's all this stuff. I don't want to receive the Word of God because I've gotten hard. Because the bread went stale. It's not fresh to me. It's not what I need. It's not life-giving to me. The result is being alienated. Alienated from the life of God being completely separated. You're not going to find Jesus when your heart is hard. The loss of taste. Third quality. Loss of taste. The bread loses its flavor. The things of the Lord, they're no longer sweet to us. I mean, I I love the body of Christ. You, You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't. But when my heart got to a place where this has happened before, where the bread got stale. I'd see the things of the Lord as not so sweet anymore. Obligation creeps in. Man, we have, too, I remember at one point, I was in my probably mid 20s. I go, we have too many church services. Anybody ever say that, think that? We just have too many. What in the world? Have, nobody else has Sunday night service. Nobody else has, you know, a Friday night park ministry. We, were doing, we had park ministry. I'm like, man, we got like Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, twice. The things of the Lord were no longer sweet. They weren't tasting that good. And in turn, I began to not taste very good. I began to lose fruit of the Spirit that I should have. I should be able to offer those around me. I'm the salt of this world. If you go to Matthew 5.13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. When salt is not good enough to be on your kitchen table, you drive on it when it's snowing. When salt isn't good enough to be seasoning, it's thrown all over the road when there's ice. And it's driven on and it's trampled on because that's all it's good for. And here when the things of God don't taste good. I don't love to be here. I mean, 
when Brother Lonnie cooks a meal and barbecues, it's good. The other day he was cooking at Heather's house, and he was just making hot dogs. I go, man, they're going to be the best hot dogs, I swear. I've bought the same hot dogs. I've cooked the same ones. They're not as good. I am coming when he's barbecuing. I mean, I'm going to break into weddings. I don't even know the people. That is, what is it, wedding crashing? If Lonnie's cooking, I'm going to eat. And there's so many good cooks here. When the taste is good, you're going. When the taste is good, you can't hardly keep us away from a table full of good food. When the things of the Lord taste good, you can't hardly keep us away from them. And I just, devotionals, you know, we, we, we put time into pray and to read every day and do those things. But if they get stale, things of God just seem like, man, I don't, I don't want to spend time with the Lord. I just, I don't, I don't want to see the people at church tonight. Man, I just, I don't know. I, I just, I'm tired. I got all this stuff going on. I, sometimes you got to check and see if the Lord's things are still tasting good. I'm not saying we don't get tired. I'm not saying we don't have days. I'm saying you need to check and see if you still have flavor. Because if the bread went stale in your life, there's a good chance the salt has lost flavor from you. It's really important for your family and those around you that when they taste, it's seasoned. They can have the fruit of the Spirit that you provide. They can taste the salt, the seasoning that's from the Lord through your life. If not, they may not see another witness. That's a serious thing. Our life is good for nothing, Jesus said, if it's lost its flavor. Number four, loss of freshness. Exodus 16 is a daily picking of fresh manna. Jesus is the bread from heaven. He himself is the life-giving, nutritional source of your spiritual life. Jesus alone. He's it. Rodney years ago preached about the economy of God. The economy. Everything that's built in the kingdom of God is built around the economy of Jesus. It's him. It's for him. It's by him. It's through him. It's all about him. This thing is the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's your Savior, your Master, your friend. He's that one closer than a brother. He's your Counselor. He's the mighty God. He's your everlasting Father. Jesus is everything. When he loses his freshness, when the bread becomes stale, and that love for the Lord wanes, I think it's in the early part of the book of Revelation. He said, remember your first love. When that starts to fade, the freshness is gone. And I've checked my heart on this in the past, and when the freshness went away, I could tell because Jesus was not the first thing on my mind. Jesus was not the first one I wanted to talk to. He wasn't the first one I wanted to share about. Jesus wasn't the first, most priority, best thing in my life anymore because it wasn't fresh. It was something that I did weeks ago or maybe at church some days ago or maybe I had an experience some years ago, but there was no fresh move of God in my heart, on my lips, on my mind. And when I'm going places and talking to people, I'm not excited anymore. I, yeah, I'm saved, I think. I'm pretty much, you know, I'm forgiven of sin. Thank you, Lord, but, but it's not fresh. We need fresh manna every day because when the bread goes stale, Jesus is going stale. And when that goes stale, my walk, your walk will fall. 
Because you can't do this on your own. There is no good work you could do. You can't earn a thing in the kingdom. You need the Lord. You've got to have daily, fresh manna of Jesus Christ in your life. The Word of God, you've got to partake of it. You've got to have His Spirit in you. You need to seek God every day. We all do. It's got to be fresh. In John 6, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. The words of Jesus are spirit and life. You can't be content to live in this world based on the successes or failures or anything else this life has to offer. Only the words of Jesus, only the Lord is both spirit and life. We need Him. So I want to talk about a few answers to these stale bread qualities. Because you're not stuck when you have day-old bread. You know, when you got the bread on the counter, yeah, the, the saltine crackers that were bad, I throw those out. The good news is for us that when we're walking in the staleness, when we are going stale, we can make a change. The answer to being dry. Psalm 60, Psalm. 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. The children of Israel were so dry. They said we are exceeding. They're dry in our whole soul. They looked back to their past for an answer. David looked into the sanctuary. David looked into where God's presence is at. You have dryness. You are dry in your spirit. You just feel like it just haven't had a fresh word, haven't had anything from God in so long or so long a time. Begin to seek in the sanctuary. And the church is a great place. It is. We're here, you know, multiple times a week. It's a good place. People of God are here. The Word of God is preached. Jesus is here. But there are sanctuary places in your life at home that you could find also. Not outside of church, alongside of the sanctuary. God speaks to Moses in a burning bush. He says, Moses, take off your shoes because of this ground, this is holy. We need to get to a place where we can make holy ground anywhere we're at. Some of you didn't get that. We need to be a place in a place in our Christian life. No matter where we're at, what situation we're in, where we're going, we can get holy ground anywhere. On my break at work, I'm having a rough day. It's a dry time. I can go to a break room and spend time with the Lord. I can go in my car, turn on some kind of a music and begin to pray and create holy ground sanctuary. I know where to look when I'm dry. I know where to go when I'm dry. I want to see the power and the glory of God i got to find that place now. I can't have stale bread. I can't remain where it's stale. I'm dry. I'm thirsty. And you better believe when you come to the sanctuary, to the house of God, you're going to see the power of God and the glory of God in a good, wholesome church. There were times in my life as I went through some of these periods where church was the only place I could see God. Has anybody ever been there? Like, I just couldn't find the Lord at home. I, I tried. I, I, would, I would pray, and I'd be like, 
my prayers weren't being answered, but I would come to church and, and Pastor Ronnie would lead worship and I'd feel the presence of God and I, I'm like, Lord, I, I want to draw close. I, Pastor would preach and I, I could look in, I could see. Man, I see the power of God. I see the glory of God. I'm thankful for the sanctuary. And as I've grown in my walk with the Lord, I've just realized, man, i got to have this in my daily collection of manna. I can't just wait till Sunday. The life is outside of this building as well. I need here. I need every one of you. God has designed it that way. But also, he charged the families, got to collect manna daily. You got to provide for your home. Men, you got to provide. I love what pastor said this morning. On the backs of men of God, is, is the Lord building something? Is the Lord going to place this gospel? We are so thankful to have partners with, with our wives and our, and our friends, our ladies that are here. We are in this together 100%. But there is a challenge that men have got to be the ones that stand up. Men in the home, you've got to provide this. The answer to being dry is to look in the sanctuary. The answer to hardness, Psalm 51.10. I, I love David. I got, got him in here twice. Psalm 51.10. David has sinned greatly. We all know his story. It takes a pretty hard heart to have a friend murdered. It takes a heart that's been pretty calloused to try to cover your sin by sending out a friend to his death. I can't imagine doing that to anyone. Well, there's a couple of friends in here, man. I can't imagine doing that to anyone. So David in 51.10, he says, create in me a clean heart. I can't have the old heart. It's hard. It's calloused. God created me clean, a new heart. Give me a clean, create. Don't just whitewash the old heart. I don't want to just clean up something that, that, that was, that's got some dirt and some calluses. God, create a new clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your spirit, your generous spirit, I, and then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. When you get a heart that's pliable, when God creates in you a clean heart, if you have hardness tonight, there's only one way out of it, and that's a new heart. You've got hardness. God's got to create in you a clean heart. And there are many reasons. I'm not going to go into them tonight. There's a whole ton of life that will callous your heart. There's a lot of different things that can happen that are awful, horrible, terrible, tragic that will callous the human heart. But there is one fix. There is one who will create in you something new, something clean, something soft, pliable. We need that. I don't care how much garbage you've been through or how little. Some of you young people that have grown up in godly homes, you need a clean, good heart that God gives you. You need a heart that God puts in you. And I love how the, I've never really looked at verse 13. When my heart is a heart that God gives me, David said, then I'm going to teach transgressors your ways. You know, we pray for our lost loved ones and those that we influence, and maybe there's people at work or school we pray for. When God gives us a clean heart and a right heart, teach the transgressors the ways of the Lord. 
because you were a transgressor. Sinners are converted when they understand they're transgressors. Why do you think the attack on the church today is to shut us up over sin? You ever thought about that? How easy is it to stand up now and say homosexuality is a sin? Apparently that's controversial. Brian and I were talking about that today. That's a controversial statement. Abortion is a sin. It's murder. Whoa. Uh, you're born a male or a female, period. That's controversial. I mean, apparently that's hate speech. But there's one way for sinners to be converted, and that's to teach transgressors their way. But I'm going to need a clean heart to do that. I, I can't come at people in hatred. I can't come at, the, at culture in an attitude of war. I'm not fighting culture. And I'm just going to say this for free. We look at the life of Jesus. He lived during ancient Rome, right? I'm sorry, the Roman government was as corrupt as any government that's ever been around. They had pedophilia, they had prostitution, they had drugs, alcohol, they had sorcery, all kinds of stuff going on. They were absolutely filled with debauchery. I don't see the Lord getting up and challenging Caesar in their, in their immorality. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong to talk about what's wrong in this case. We should be standing up for truth. But there's a line of the gospel that's always got to be at the forefront of our motivation. God, if God creates in me that right heart, now when I'm teaching transgressors, it's not to fight with them. It's to show them that they need to repent. It's to teach them sinners need to be converted. I'm a sinner. I've been a sinner. And I needed to be taught. I needed to change. I needed a new heart in me. And so some of the church today is so political. We've got some great conservative movements that are birthing out of churches, but is there repentance? Is there salvation? Are transgressors coming to know the Lord? Or are we just taking a fight to the liberals? Are we just taking a battle to the literal streets? I want riots to stop too, but I'm praying about it. I want to speak the word of God. I want to preach. I want to support police, support our country, but I am not grabbing up arms to go out and just solve a community issue. I don't believe that that's the call. Defend yourself is. Our call is to go and teach sinners the way of Christ. It's to go teach transgressors the way of the Lord. We don't need everything else to be perfect to find joy. David has a mess in his life. The joy of salvation is enough. The joy of salvation is enough. How come I keep looking at the world for joy? I keep looking at provision for joy. I keep looking for fulfillment in the money in the bank account. I look for fulfillment in the vacations I can take and the car I can drive. And we do that, and we say we don't, but we do that. Joy is in salvation. And that lasts through any situation you could possibly go through. That's why the joy is there. You can have that joy in a torture cell, in a, in, a, in a camp. You can have it in a prison camp. You can have it in a third world country. You can have that joy in the deepest, darkest places of this world. You can have that joy when you're sick, when you're dying. That's the only type of joy that really will transcend every situation in this world. I don't want to go through all those negative things, but when the bread goes stale, I stop looking at the joy of the Lord in salvation. David had so much right in these verses. 
The wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The third quality, the answer to losing flavor. There's a lot of scriptures you can go to. Tony threatened to rip out some of the pages in my sermon so we get done quicker. So I couldn't get all, I couldn't get all of these in there. <laughs> Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I find it interesting that Old Testament prophets loved the Word of God so much, so much they understood something about when God spoke, how important it was, how transcendent it was, what it meant to the world. And Jeremiah says, your words were found and I ate them. I partook of them. And here we have the Lord of glory who says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am consumable. You can partake of me. I am here. I have come. I have shed my blood. I have died, risen again. And now every single one of you can partake and you can have me in. You can be in and I'll be in you. There is such freshness and flavor in the Lord. There is a taste and see when we get into Christ that's available and it's in His Word, and it's in His Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. I want to be filled with His Word and filled with His Spirit. And those two, they are one and the same. You're going to get both when you're seeking Him. He is Spirit and He is life. He is the Word made flesh. He is everything that we need. He is the full nutritional value. He's the manna. Taste and see that the Lord is good, not your works. And Jesus said, look, look, let them see your good works. Let them see good works and glorify who? Father in heaven. They can't just taste of the good works and say, you're good. But man, I've been guilty of wanting that. I want people to say, man, Chris, you're a good guy. Well, you really are godly. You love the Lord. I like hearing that. And as I've gotten older in my faith, I've gone... I don't think they're seeing Jesus in me. I think they're seeing a guy who doesn't cuss, a guy who doesn't look at pornography, a guy who doesn't cheat on his wife. They're seeing a guy who is pretty honest. That's not enough. I'm sorry, that's just not enough. They have to taste and see the Lord. If there's a good work in my life and I don't point them to Jesus, I failed them. It's a failure. If all I'm doing is trying to please men or be something people can look up to, Taste and see the Lord is good. Jesus in me, let him season my life. If you feel like, as I have been, you feel like there's a lack of flavor in your life, a lack of flavor that's been lived in your home, you've got to eat the Word of God. You've got to partake of it. Let it just saturate you. Bring it in. Fill up on the Word of God and be filled with His Spirit. That's, that's what you have to do. And you can't help but be seasoned with the Lord. When you're full of His Word and His Spirit, you will taste like Jesus. You'll speak His Word, His Spirit in you. People will not be able to deny the Lord is in you. Amen? Last one. The answer to a loss of freshness. John 6, verse 58 through 63. 
John chapter 6. I mentioned earlier I wanted to get back here. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Now I skipped. He had just got done teaching, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. And then he comes down to this part. This is the bread from heaven. This bread that you've got my flesh and my blood. You've got to eat and drink this. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. No one had spoke to the Jews like this. Never had they heard words like this. And Jesus is telling them, all the word you've known, all the spirit you've known, it's all summed up in this right here. His physical body standing before them. Now we know he's going to the cross, and we know he's going to be in spirit, and that's how he's going to reach everyone. But he's standing there, and they can't receive this. How are we supposed to receive this? Because my words are spirit and life. You receive this by receiving every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Not some, not the parts you like, not the parts you don't like, you don't refuse those. Every word. And Jesus is going to stand up here in the synagogue. He's going to tell the people, that this is a hard saying, but this is it. Receive my words. Church, if you want to be fresh, you want freshness in your spiritual life, you want to wake up daily and you want to say, God, I am living for you today. Today is the day you've made. I'm going to walk in it. I want to walk in faithfulness. I want to be fresh in your word. Receive his words. They're spirit and they are life. Because the word is at its freshest point when it comes right out of the oven. There is something about the Word of God, and I love coming to church and hearing preaching. I know all of you do. When Pastor, Pastor Rodney, Pastor Aaron, the brothers are preaching, and I'm here, there's a freshness to it. I love podcasts. I love to listen later if I miss a service. When we were home with COVID, and we're listening online to everything, it was, it was good. It just wasn't fresh. It was having bread that's been baked for a little bit. I can eat it. it. It has some value, but it is not the same as that fresh word coming with the Spirit of God, coming off of a fresh man and, or woman who studied and prayed and God's Spirit's moving, and that freshness, man, that will turn some things around in a heart that's gone stale. Let's not let the bread go stale. Amen? God bless you, Pastor.